Hello out there. This is former sports entertainment. No. Pro wrestling. No. Former WWF slash WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. And you're listening to Mike and Tyler on Count It Out. Well, we are live, pals, and welcome to another edition of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. My name is Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by the return of the Mac. He came back with a vengeance on Sunday. Mojito Mike was in the house. Mike, man, how are you? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, man, we had a great time on Sunday, did we not? Absolutely. Thank you to everybody who uh, who tuned in, who logged in, who left a comment, who joined us on the show uh, we're very happy with the show, uh, even, and for the next one, we will teach Mike how to use Instagram. I promise. <laughs> um, and Danny, apparently. And Danny. Oh my God. The nightmare of, uh, of, of you guys reunited, uh, and Danny, Jay. And Jay, Jay. Well, Jay had a hard time. Tyrone, uh, with the move of the night, stealing oh, Jay's spot. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, go, go check it out on our Instagram archives. A lot of fun. Big congratulations to, uh, big Jimbo 316 on Instagram. He was the winner of our, uh, survivor series program all the way from Baltimore. So very cool. Uh, big thank you to everybody guys. Yeah. And all, all our regular fans that were on there too. Uh, you know, uh, we saw Rob jumping on the combo. We saw Wilson. We saw, you know, uh, um, uh, our buddy Ginger jumped in at the last minute there. Uh, uh, all the guys. I'm not going to name them all. It's going to take forever. But uh, thank you to everybody involved. for. Uh, yeah, for Wilson was in there for a bit too. Yeah, big thanks to everybody. And let us know what you think. You know, we're, we've been talking about maybe trying to do the next live show over Twitch. Uh, we might stick with Instagram. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you guys think too. Yeah, because um, if anybody knows a better way of doing it, uh, we're going to go ahead and say our next big one, obviously, is the Royal Rumble. Um, we'd love to say that Tyler and I can be together for that show, but we don't know where the world's going to be. We don't know where COVID's going to take us. So it's very possible we're going to be sitting just like this, like we have been for the last nine months. Um, so we need a platform that's going to allow us to record together and bring guests in. Instagram just isn't there yet. Um, so, uh, like Tyler said, we're looking into Twitch. Uh, we're going to look at other places. If anybody um, has experience with these kind of platforms, let us know. We're always looking for suggestions. Yeah, the Royal Rumble is January 24th. So let us know uh, by the end of December, middle of January, so we can start announcing it. Absolutely. Speaking um, of Sunday, mm-hmm. let's talk about it, man. Survivor Series. What do you think of the card overall? Overall? In- one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, it. Uh, we'll talk about the last segment later, soon mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but taking the actual <coughs> wrestling card, not including that last segment, um, there wasn't a single bad match. No. I enjoyed everything <coughs> in the card. Um, I can say my least favorite on the uh, on the card was probably the U.S. title match. Yeah, I think that's what we all kind of figured going in, though. But even that wasn't horrible. You got two great workers in there. Yeah. So, um, you know, the rest of it, on the live show, I said straight out that I had no 
interest or no hope for the um, men's Survivor Series match. And it turned out way better than I expected. Yeah, you know, and again, there was a lot of good workers in that match too. Uh, a little bit surprised by the clean, sweet finish there by the men's yeah, Raw team. Me too. The tag team title match, or Very not title match. match, the tag team match is, I would go ahead and say right now, match the year candidate worthy. Yeah, it was great, eh? Definitely. Um, what you put two those two great teams together, and uh, even that that awesome promo that the uh, the Street Profits cut right before the match was mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, and I'm not usually a big fan of their promo work. I, I really enjoyed that one. They went in with some serious fire. Both teams really brought it, and you could tell there's there's a respect. <clears throat> And yeah. we're not, I'm not even talking Kato. Like those guys obviously respect each other, and they really brought the best out of each other. Don't get me wrong. New Day has solidified themselves as one of the greatest tag teams of the last so many years. But the Street Profits brought a little something extra out of them on Sunday. Well, let's be real. This was the biggest match in their career, at least since being called up to the main roster. Uh, and I, and they had something to prove, you know. They yeah. I don't think they want to just get labeled as this comedy act or uh, as a a different version of the private party team in AEW because there's a lot of similarities there. And yeah. you know they they really had to come out and and they had to show something. And and there was a lot of comparisons to uh, Montel and and Kofi Kingston made on commentary as well. Uh, and, and for Xavier Woods too, this was his first real big match since since coming back from his injury as well. Um, just so we don't hear from uh, Rob later, uh, uh, Tyler meant to say Montez. What did I say, Montel? Montel. <laughs> this is how we do it. <laughs> you really hitting the, uh, the the 90s rap tonight. Buddy, I love the 90s rap. That's the good <laughs> stuff. I'll be taking requests on next week's episode for uh, me and Doug to do a 90s rap duet on our next live show. Now, I will say what the biggest surprise of the night for me was was how much I absolutely loved Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. You're surprised by that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting I I expected it to be a solid effort. I wasn't expecting it I wasn't expecting to be as invested as I was. I just think um and and when I was talking on the live show with uh, I believe it was Tyrome who over on the Good Friends Better Enemy podcast, uh, I had forgot that these guys fought at WrestleMania a couple years yeah. ago. And I think that just goes to show, you know, where especially Drew McIntyre was back then and the evolution of these guys' characters since then. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Both these guys are doing the best work of their career, I think. I, I was really excited about it, and, and I hope that we see more of it. Absolutely. Um, none of my predictions happened. None of them. Uh, you know, we, we didn't get any Bray Wyatt interference. We didn't get any uh, uh, Randy Orton interference. Yeah, it was kind of weird to, to not see either one of those guys on the card at all. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, which is weird because it seems like now they're they're feuding. It looks like Randy's going to forget all about Drew for a while. That's a story for another time. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and the biggest surprise for me is Miz didn't cash in. I thought for sure he would. Was it not on the same day in the same building that he cashed in against Orton? I don't know if it was the same building. It may have been. I'm pretty sure that's the same building that he cashed in on. Yeah, um, that's possible. Well, before we get into the big topic of Survivor Series, let's remind everybody what our topic is going to be today. 
Uh, Mike, you have been tasked with counting down the top seven matches in the history of the WCW World War III pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, for that yeah you know what this is uh I, I didn't do a lot of prep for this one i've been pretty busy this week and i decided to kind of lay back and, and just enjoy the show with you this week Man, and uh, usually usually when we have these kind of shows where i have to watch a bunch of wrestling i almost feel chored you know what i mean that like i i feel like i feel like it's a, a task or a chore to have to watch all that wrestling this was a delight i i've we discussed this last week. I love the World War Three pay per views. Yeah, and to have to watch all four matches, all four pay per views this week. Do they have a couple stinkers in them? Of course they do. It's WCW. <laughs> well, yeah, especially but, towards ninety nine. But uh, uh, well, maybe it's a good thing they pulled the or ninety eight. Sorry, ninety eight. Yeah. But uh, each card, all four cards, had solid efforts. All four cards have have their great matches. Um, it's some of WCW at its finest. And maybe I'm biased because when I was a kid, I I love Battle Royals and Royal Rumbles so much that I always looked forward to this as a teenager. It was my third favorite pay-per-view of the year. Which blows my mind. It was the only WCW pay-per-view that I would pay for every year. You're, you're out of control. I, I watched the first one and I lost interest. I don't know even know if I watched the two middle ones uh, up until recently, but... Uh, before we jump into your list, so let's talk about let's talk about the big topic. Let's talk about the farewell of the Undertaker. Yeah, how did you feel it went overall? Because for me, like I love seeing Henry Godwin. It was cool to see Savio Vega, but I was I I was underwhelmed by the whole thing. By the whole thing, I didn't understand any of it. I I don't know. I just don't get it. The, 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 there was no redeeming factors. You know, the legends start making their way out. Cool. Um, you know, Henry and Phineas come out and gimmick, and I thought, and I popped for that. Yeah. And then, and then, was the, it was it gimmick though, or is that just how they live their lives? You know. Um, though I will say, when Kane came out in gimmick, he looked around like they played a prank on him. I. <laughs> That's the vibe I got. Too. You know, like like he was the only one who showed up to a Halloween party that in costume. <laughs> but uh, you know that was weird. But then, so they go to a promo package. They come back, and all the legends are gone. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. All they they just stood in the ring for a minute, and all of a sudden they disappeared. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Vince McMahon's speech. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great speech. But then he brings up the taker, and I figured that you, the camera would turn and all the legends would be around the ring or something. But no, they're fucking gone. Yeah, I didn't get the point of it. Now, I hated the whole uh, taker theme being played on the Tesla machine in the beginning. I don't know what more people thought of it, if you liked it. I thought it was, it was all right. Great. I didn't like it. But then the rest of the entrance was epic. Yeah, the, the yeah. elevating stage I thought yeah. was cool. Yeah. Um, so he came down. The prolonged entrance took a long time. Didn't Which is matter. classic taker. Exactly. It was very cool. Got in the ring. How long do you think that speech was? Um, maybe two minutes. Minute and a half? See, now, I was okay with that. I was okay with the speech being short. I think well, it's here's very... Here's what I expected. What I expected him to do, because he was in full character, right, while he was speaking... What I thought he would do was do that line, the whole 
the Undertaker will compete, take off his hat, put his hat down, and then speak as Mark Calloway. Yeah. That's what I expected. Um, didn't get that. However, what did come next is one of the coolest things I've seen in wrestling in I don't know how long. They shone this hologram of Paul Bear. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then and, and, and Taker got down into his old classic pose. That was one of the coolest moments of WWE TV in years. No, years. I agree. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I like Taker's speech. I thought it was what it needed to be just because it's The Undertaker. I'm not expecting him to give a full-on speech until he goes into the Hall of Fame. I was just let down because I just thought they could have done more to celebrate his career. Yeah. I, I just felt like it was a watered-down version of what they did for Ric Flair. I couldn't say it better myself. And I just think, you know, with that, with that character of The Undertaker, I think they could have creatively done a lot more. And I'm not talking about shooting an angle. I'm not talking about anything like that. I just mean between video packages. And they did that good one right before, which I thought was, was good. The one with the Metallica song? was. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. That was really good. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I would have liked to have maybe heard some of the legends talk about yeah. The Undertaker. I just don't understand the point of bringing them all out. See, for me... If I would, if I, if I could uh, steal a page out of our, uh, out of our partner's um, podcast on the Good Friends Better Enemies, exclusively on the Counted Out YouTube page, um, if I could rebook it, I think I would put the, uh, the Raw versus SmackDown men's match on at the end with the mystery spot and have Taker be in that mystery spot, mm-hmm. and then have all of his friends come out after and clap for him, yeah. let him hit his pose with the Paul Bear hologram, yeah. and then we, then we don't need to see anything until the Hall of Fame. And when Taker goes into the Hall of Fame, I think he should be the only inductee to go in. And I want to see like um, a banquet style. You know what I mean? I want I want all those guys sitting at a table and everyone gets up and gives a speech about The Undertaker before Taker comes out to do his speech. I don't see it happening, but it is a phenomenal idea. I don't think it will happen either. Stop but... playing with your pussy during the show. <laughs> we are babysitting a new cat who is very active today. <laughs> um. Well, uh, uh, Hall of Fame. A lot of thought now. Um, <laughs> did you hear that uh, the Edge was in house? Yeah, and he wasn't out on the uh, in the stage. I thought that was weird. Well, apparently there, there's a reason for that. They're saving his return for when he returns. Yeah, to get that want, big pop from the fans, they, right? They want it to be a big deal when he comes back uh, uh, to to set up his WrestleMania match. Um, which is looking right now that it's not going to be against Randy Orton. I've heard Bray Wyatt. I've heard Randy Orton. I've heard. I'm thinking it might be Randy and Bray. So I don't. I I don't know who. You think they're going to make it to Mania? I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Yeah, maybe. I'm hearing. Um, uh, Edge and Drew. I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty easy story to tell with Edge going for one more title shot, one more title yeah. reign, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's some that's some good uh, early WrestleMania booking. And usually, you know, about this time, uh, you start to get a feel for what WrestleMania is going to be like. I got nothing right now. I don't even have an idea who's going to win the Royal Rumble. If you had to take a pick, who would you have win the Royal Rumble for for men and women? <sighs> it's too hard right now. Uh, women, Bianca Belair. Yeah. Yeah. I think they need to do a lot of work together there, though. You think so? I yeah, think- I don't think she's ready. 
I think she is. I think from an in-ring standpoint, she's ready. But I think to give her a title match at WrestleMania, I don't think they developed her enough. Hmm. Um, as far as men, I don't know. I don't have a fucking clue right now. I, I'm with you. I have no idea. Um, will Edge be ready? Maybe Edge wins. I do. Uh, Big I E, yeah, Big E, maybe Big go e over. Be, Big E would be a great one. The fans would love it. Uh, yeah, Big E is a very good choice. Maybe yeah. you have Drew McIntyre drop the belt and go over again. Do you have a returning Brock Lesnar come back and win? If you really want to get a young guy over, maybe Keith Lee. Keith Lee could be a great star, but again, I think they're doing a lot of damage. They need to get him there. Yeah, no, I I I would agree that Keith Lee's not ready. But I could see it happening as well, so I don't know. Well, give us some, a lot of uh, ideas there. Give us some feedback, what you guys think uh, heading into the Royal Rumble season. We're definitely going to be starting our build-up to the Royal Rumble uh, over the yeah. next over the next few weeks for sure. We've got some oh, fun stuff. We're, we're talking about WCW's version of it tonight. So That's it's right. Well, how about this then? Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about news-wise? I do. Really quick, I want to know your opinion on um, what happened with the women's Survivor Series match. Um, I'm re- I'm okay with Lana being the sole survivor. I don't like the way they did it, though. See, and I, I do except for one thing. If they were going to go that route, they shouldn't have let her in the ring at all. Yeah. Why did they let her do that minute and a half in the ring? If, if, if they were going to do the whole thing, what it should have been was it comes down to, uh, you know, it's only Nia and Lana left on one team, uh, one side, and whoever it is on the other side, they Luke Nia, then it's her and Lana together. That person gets distracted. Lana rolls her up. She's the sole survivor. But she did nothing. And not because she was lazy and not because she didn't want to. This is how you build up an underdog. This is how you build up a, a, a true baby face. She was bullied she was pushed down she was she was oppressed she wasn't allowed in the ring so she, like that's a great story yeah. they just should have never let her have that minute and a half in the ring see i i wanted to see her um kind of like have a little bit of a comeuppance at the end i would like to have seen uh naya get counted out or whatever and and shana yeah. out and i would like to see lana beat two people to get the win her if they were going to put her in the ring, it should have been in the end. Not, and I think she should have got the pinfall on two people. And then she could have been like, well, Naya, like, I, I want you lost. Exactly. You exactly. Know, how bad, how bad am Instead, I? At the end, she was doing the whole celebrating thing, saying, I'm the sole survivor, knowing she didn't do anything. Yeah. That, I just, that's not very, that's not hero. That's not baby face. You know what I mean? I just didn't like that they didn't give her any. I just felt like they just bullied her and and she took it. And you know, as a baby face, like you want to see them rise above that. You know, exactly. So. Um, that's where they went wrong with that. The story they were telling up until then, I, I, I'm down with and I like it. Yeah, I'm, cool. I'm down with it too. And you know what? I want to see Nia Jax get punched in the face right now. You know, I no one likes a bully. It's a very classic storyline they're it's telling. A great story. It's been told a thousand times, and as long as you're telling it properly, it goes over. Now, have you had, have you had a chance to see her um in her Twitter video that she put out about actual bullying? No, uh, it's it's devastatingly sad. Uh, Lana, Lana's? Lana's, yeah, where she talks about um 
she's basically just in tears talking about how everybody cyber bullies her. Everyone tells her that she's terrible, uh, how everyone wishes that she left the company and not Rusev and that she's talentless. And, uh, and it really, you know, she said that her, her best friend in life is Rusev, obviously, or yeah. Miro or whatever you want to call him. She never sees him. And she's, they're not on the same show. She used to travel with them, obviously. And now she's alone and she has these people shitting on her. And, you know, she, she really put a plea out there. I, I like social media. It's a place where I can, you know, I want to connect with people and have fun. And everyone's so mean to me on here. And she's bawling her eyes. It was very sad. I didn't watch the video. I did see, I did read the transcript. Um, I didn't know that was the one you were talking about, but um, I did read that. And yes, it, it's, it's horrible, and we've been talking about this for years. Uh, Danny and I had a couple shows dedicated to this subject uh, years ago. The whole online bullying of celebrities is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's, we're just going to pretend they're not real people. Like, what if, what if the shoe was reversed, man? What if it was Lana jumping on your fucking Instagram and calling you a fat turd? You know what I mean? Like, like, like nobody would stand for that shit, would they? No, no, it's ridiculous. You know what? Just yeah, and we've we, we've talked about this on our show before. Be better, people. Mm-hmm. Be better. You know, have an opinion. That's great, but you don't need to directly message these people to go out of your way to tell them that you hate them, that you wish that they weren't in there, that they were fired, that you wish they weren't alive. Like, get a fucking life, you bunch of losers. Well, it, it's people like that that not only give wrestling fans a bad name, it gives humanity a bad name. Couldn't say it better myself. And let's be honest, man, Lana seems like the sweetest fucking thing in the world. She seems like such a nice person. She seems like she's so fun. She just wants to be happy and have a good time. Like, get a life, people. And getting signed to the WWE, being a WWE superstar, that should be the like the hype, right? That should be like your dream career. Yeah. People like this make it not worth it. They may, it makes it not. It makes you not want to be in the business. I heard um, a little sample of um, John Moxley on uh, Renee Dupree's new podcast that she's starting, or Twitch, or I don't know what she's doing. I'm sorry, Renee Paquette. Did I say Dupree? Renee, yeah. Renee Paquette. Sorry, uh, it's been a long week, and we're only on uh, we're only on <laughs> I, Tuesday. I would, I would listen to a Renee Dupree podcast, by the way. Only if he had Hardcore Holly on as his guest. <laughs> uh, Renee Paquette has started her own podcast, um, and and Moxie was on it today, and and he was talking about uh, how he wishes that uh, he's like I hate the fame part of this job. He goes, if I had my way, if I could, if I could get paid the same way, he goes, I'd rather go and wrestle in an armory every week in front of five hundred people and just tell my craft and tell my story. He goes, the celebrity part, the celebrity part of this, uh, it, it ruins it for me. I don't buy it. He's full of shit. I could see if anybody if anybody does not like the slurry part of it, Moxley would be one of the guys. I believe it. No, no, no. But he says if I could just go wrestle in an armory, then go. Quit well, he's got to provide quit. a living still for his family. Then shut the fuck up. Well, that's that was the point he was making. Was if I if <laughs> he said he said I I can tolerate it and I will deal with the the celebrity part of it. He goes, but in my perfect world, if I could get paid the same amount of money, is what he said. Okay. At the end of the day, we're all doing what we're doing for money. Of you know, course. the fact that you can love what you're doing, that's a nice bonus. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I love my job that I have right now, but, you know, it, it's not like I would do it for free. No, absolutely not. And if something with a lot more money came along, I'd be an idiot not to consider it. Right. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. okay. Once, once counting out uh, goes viral, then, uh, 
Another, we'll be living the dream, buddy. That's it. Just uh, donate to our future GoFundMe campaign, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, man. You can I, find Tyler on OnlyFans. Yes, on my OnlyFans account <laughs> at Tyler. At Tyler counted out. Uh, for seven dollars, you can see it all, folks. Because yeah. that's the gimmick around here. We do sevens. There, there's a really, really, really weird uh, account out there. OnlyFans. It's at Lucy the Cat. Don't, don't <laughs> bring your own peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get this back. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm on the lasting marks right now. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get to the task at hand here. About SummerSlam, about Summer, Survivor Series, or uh, right. in the World War Three. Let's jump into World War Three here. So this week, Mike, as we talked about, you've been tasked with uh, going back and taking a look at the WCW World War Three pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say, without further ado, here so is Mike. These are my top seven favorite World War Three matches. Yes, not it doesn't just exclusively have to be the Battle Royal because there's no, only no, four it, of them. Any match from the um, from the pay per views, all four pay per views, and I'm saying it like that. These are my favorite matches. Because I don't want to say these are, these are the best matches, whatever, because that's so subjective now that I don't know that, like, as soon as I say my number seven or six, you know, someone could be like, but that match is so technical. Why isn't number two? These are just my, how I like my wrestling matches, my investment in these matches. These are my favorite matches of World War Three. Fair. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pull up the the match cards here as you go along too because I haven't looked at these in a while, so I'm okay. I'm quite excited for it. Right on. Well, we are starting uh, with my number seven with the World War Three Battle Royal of 1995. Ah, with the Ninja Yeti. The, yeah. <laughs> forget about that part. No, um, you can't. Okay, wait. You can't forget about that part because this is one of the rare ones that I do remember, and they built this match as a giant in every ring. Yeah. And it was uh, the giant. Yeah. The Yeti, who turned yeah. into a ninja without any explanation that they no built this whole pay-per-view around. And Hulk Hogan is a fucking giant? Apparently. No. Get off me. Either way. <laughs> um, I'll tell you why why this hit my number, my, my, my number seven. Um, you would expect, when you find out on paper, a 60-man battle royal with three rings, by all means, should be nothing but a clusterfuck. And don't get me wrong, in many ways it is. But the commentators do such a good job. The mm-hmm. the, uh, the the camera crew does a good job. It makes it so you actually can pay attention to this match and enjoy it. The finish to this match makes it worth being on my list, though. That's why it's on my list. I did enjoy the finish of this match. Those who don't remember, uh, what's his name? Hulk Hogan got pulled under the bottom of the ring, but the referee didn't see that. He just seen him outside. So they declared Macho Man as the winner. And it became this whole thing between two buddies saying, I'm the winner, I'm the winner, I'm the winner. It was just a really cool finish. Was Hogan not such a whiny bitch after this, though? Like, even by, like... Was it was it not Royal Rumble '92 all fucking over again? Except worse though. Like Hogan <laughs> just cried. Like you're the babyface, bro. Like you know, say your piece and challenge him to a match. Like <laughs> shut the. You're crying. Like shut up. <laughs> the other thing I like about uh, Hogan and Savage in this pay per view is when they cut the promo about Dave Meltzer at the beginning. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They and they they set the fucking um. They set the, the wrestling observer newsletter on fire. And the the fire's going out of control. And Sting's like, oh, Sting's like, oh. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, yeah. And the funniest thing was that they were mad because Meltzer reported that Savage had a hurt arm. And they were like, no, I don't. And Savage comes out with the biggest taped arm that you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> and it, well, at least they turned it into an angle. Yeah. But, oh, man, yeah, that that, that was funny. Um, it was the first event back where uh, Hogan's back in the uh, red, and, uh, red and yellow. Yeah, after he wrapped up his feud with the Dungeon of Doom there. Yeah, so he's no longer uh, depressed Black Hogan. <laughs> And what I loved about this promo, remember that this is November 95. And he says, the yellow and red is back forever, brother. You'll never see me back in black again. Um, <laughs> how many months did we wait to see him in black again? Um, about nine, eight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I don't, I don't have a problem with, uh, with this on your list at number seven. I think it's pretty fair. What do you what do you got for your number six? My number six comes from 1996. All right, and it is Rey Mysterio Jr. versus not Ultimo Dragon, but the Ultimate Dragon. <laughs> they always fuck up. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon. Not much to say about it. it, it all I have to say is those two names, and you know it's going to be a good match. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I, I haven't watched this match in a long time, but I can just assume that these guys tore it down for uh, for however long they went for. It looks like they went for, I'm looking at it right now, 13 minutes. And, and was, what, if I'm not mistaken, it was the opener. It was the opener, and it's cool yeah. because they were they were going um, for the J-Crown <laughs> Championship. So Dragon yeah. must have came out with all the belts, right? He did, with every single I think I think maybe... Um, who who was out with him? Was it Sonny Ono? Sonny Ono, yeah. I think Sonny Ono had to carry a couple. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Because he had just won that tournament in Japan to get the J yeah. crown. Yeah, that's uh this is definitely one I'd like to go back and rewatch for sure. It's uh yeah, it's a, it was a fun match, very quick pace, obviously. Um shows the smarts of uh of the Bischoff era where he brought in these, you know. Not only the luchadors was he pushing, but he brought in a lot of the Japanese guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was a smart move to to mix them together. Yeah, well, an Ultimate Dragon, you know, cut his teeth in Mexico, anyways, right? Sure. That's where that's where he kind of got honed his craft. How was the finish? Uh, tell me about the finish. I don't remember the finish. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to ask me that. Uh, I, I never asked you that. Everybody. Uh, Mike, Mike must have been into the mojitos while he watched this one. Match, I remember the match. I, this is one of the matches I didn't go back and rewatch. Just because you know uh, it was good. Because I know it was good. I remember watching it, and I know it was good. I just don't remember the finish. Fair. Um, I'm guessing Dragon won because... Dragon did win, yes. Because Mysterio was never the Jacob. No. Champion, so. no. Uh, All right, man. Well, we'll go back and check that one out for sure. I, I remember this being a damn good match. Um, we're going to stick with Rey Mysterio for my number five. All right. 1997 with Ray versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, now we're talking. This was such a clinic. It was, it had everything you want in a wrestling match. They did their luchador style. They did their high flying stuff. They, 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 it was, it was quick pace when it needed to be. They took their holds and rests when they needed to. It was hard hitting. They did shit on the other, on the outside of the ring. It was, 
everything. There's nothing missing from this match. From what I remember about this match, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't watched it in a while, is this the one where Mysterio did the double springboard? Mm-hmm. He went from ring to ring? Yes. Rey Mysterio is involved in two of my favorite moments in the World War Three pay-per-views. This moment where he did the double springboard, where he went from one ring's rope to another ring's rope and then into the, the whatever, Hurricane Rada, and also when the giant picked him up with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Uh, which was 1996. Yes. yes. So those are my those are my two little Rey Mysterio spots. You say the words Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. I'm surprised this isn't in your top three. Uh, yeah. By the time we're done, I hope I can justify it. Because already I'm thinking, I wish I moved it up. Yeah. You, you got this sitting at number five, right? So Yeah. I'm uh you better have some pretty damn good stuff Re- here. Re- remember, we're talking favorite matches. Fair. You know what I mean? If we're doing best matches, that might be my number one. All right. Because it was a flawless match. There there was no it wasn't flawless. There was a couple botches, but the couple botches they did, they made up for. Yeah. And, and the, what year was this started? Was this ninety seven? You know there was botches is because Eddie has no fucking poker face. When Eddie fucks up, you can see he's mad. No, oh, big time. Where the fuck is Vicky? <laughs> uh, this was 97, you said, right? That was 97, yeah. So this is one month after one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time when they fought at Halloween Havoc. Yeah, I'd have to go rewatch that match. Because they, they fought yeah. in uh, October of 97. Okay. I'd have to go and uh, compare these two matches then. Yeah. I, I'm I for me Halloween Havoc all the way. I think it's one of the best matches of all time. Um, sticking with '97, we'll go to my number four, and we are talking about the World War Three Battle Royal of 1997. All right. Um, for all the same reasons uh, that '95 uh, made the list, this makes the list because yes, it was a clusterfuck, but it was watchable. It was, you could follow it. I like how that's the bar for your list. (laughs) (laughs) My number four after Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero was a clusterfuck that was watchable. (laughs) But there there was a distinct story to this one. You know what I mean? This was the very first one that it was WCW versus the NWO. The NWO even had their own separate entrance. Okay. You know, it was like, that was the story that they were telling this time. Uh, there was a big question mark. Uh, a lot of guys, are they going to be here? Are they not? A lot of guys got injured during the show. Are they going to be here? So that was a big thing. Is Sting going to be here? Is Hollywood Hogan going to be here? So that whole time, they're asking all these questions. Um, is Kevin Nash going to be here? So then uh, you get down to it, and <laughs> Kevin Nash does not come out for his number. And then when you're down, I can't remember who the final four or five was, but when it's down, I know DDP was in there. When it's down to that, who comes flying from the rafters with a seven-foot-tall sting? Can you believe that Nash even did that? Number one, I am okay with how unbelievable that was because of the moment. Like, nobody believed that was sting. Nobody. No. He's seven feet tall. He's wearing a mask, not face paint. So nobody believed it was Sting. But I can forgive that because of how cool the visual is. 
um, how he, you know, he grabs the bat and he goes after DDP and starts whacking DDP with the bat. Um, and you're right. I can't believe Kevin Nash. Seven feet, what do you say, 320, 350? Yeah, at least. In his prime? Fucking super shredder, man. 37, probably over 300 pounds regardless. And they had a hard time talking Owen Hart into getting into that fucking harness. And you're talking a 320-whatever-pound man, seven feet tall, hanging up there. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I I don't remember this one as fondly as you do. Uh, by 97, for me, this gimmick had played its course. Uh, and and I, I did... I think this was NWO at its finest, man. I I don't know the world. I don't mean the NWO. I mean the World War Three match itself. Oh, I I've kind of lost interest in the, in the actual match by '97. It doesn't seem like you had it to begin with. Let's be honest. Uh, you know what? I and I, I don't want to talk too much about it in case it's still on your list. But there are a couple World War Three matches. I did enjoy the first one because I thought it was cool. It was the first one, and, and I thought '96 was spectacular. And and I don't want to go into it in case we talk about it in a couple minutes. Uh, but by 97, I was just kind of like, all right, like who's here comes fucking hard work and Bobby Walker and <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? Here comes the gambler and, uh, PN news. Yeah. Yeah. And- they could, they could have done better with the, with, you know, filling up the superstars. But for me, the reason this match is, uh, is this high. And the reason it is on there and so, some of the other battle Royals aren't is the story. I loved the story behind this one. It's as yeah. simple as like that. Fair. Um, so that's my number four. Moving on to number three. We're going back to 1995, and we're doing Ric Flair versus Sting. All right. This is uh, this is coming right after uh, Flair turned on Sting at Halloween Havoc. Yes. Uh, just not a lot to say. It's Flair versus Sting. Yeah, it's just gonna. It's pretty much. It's exactly what we just talked about with uh, Guerrero and Mysterio. Yeah. When you say Flair versus Sting, even their bad matches are good. I, I was I was gonna say like like, what's one of their worst matches? The the last match of WCW. Yeah, and I still really like that match. And that's a great match. Yeah, I thought it was good. And considering yeah. Flair wasn't in ring shape then, and Sting had been out for months, I thought they did a great job. So. Um, I'm not even going to say a whole lot about this match because I want people to go and watch this if they haven't. Yeah, I just remember the finish. I, I, I like to fire up Sting here because he was pissed off and it was nice to see him going for his revenge against Flair. Yeah. Um, I like the story they told going into this match, uh, even building up to Halloween Havoc where, uh, you know, Flair was like, trust me, Sting, I need you to fight Arn and Pillman. He brought the little Stingers into the ring to ask for his help. And he just, Sting told them, if you screw me, I will kill you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will give away the finish of this match. I thought it was fantastic, and it happened in 1995. So um, Sting wouldn't let the, shark, the the Scorpion Deathlock go, and it yeah. took everybody to come in the ring to get him off. And it was just fantastic. Such a cool finish. Yeah, I like it, man. I like when they – when especially a, a really white meat baby face like Sting, who you don't see that aggression out of him a lot. You know, when, when you push a guy – too far you know i i love that i i, I especially in that era because you didn't see it back then absolutely you see it a lot now in the you know i think uh i think maybe stone cold steve austin kind of broke that mold and and then yeah you, you know you now you have characters like like dave batista and roman reigns who play the, those um 
I'm a I'm a good guy who does bad things kind of character. But you didn't see that back then. Yeah. There was like there's no such thing as a white meat white meat baby face anymore. No. We haven't seen one since John Cena left. Yeah, and, and that could even be debatable with this crowd reaction, how how much of a baby face he really was. True. He played the role of one. <laughs> I mean I mean technically he did turn heel when he did that terrible promo where he put his heel on the ground and turned it back and forth. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. That was terrible. Oh fuck. So um yeah, so 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 oh, yeah, like I was saying, that it's such a cool moment because like you said, you don't see that from Sting. Mm-hmm. And you didn't see that in general. You know, the worst you ever saw was Hogan pulling a temper tantrum when he didn't get his way. Oh, you mean crying? Yeah. You know, when Hogan does that crying like he did in 95, it just it just goes to show one thing, that Bobby Heenan was the smartest guy alive. Mm-hmm. He knew it the whole time. Very true. All right, we're rolling, man. So what are we on, number two already? We're number two, baby. Let's we are, go. We are sticking with the nature boy. Woo! In 1997 for the U.S. Championship, and it's Ric Flair versus Kurt Henning. Ah, no disqualification match. No holds barred match. Yeah. So this will be coming uh, shortly after the the fall brawl turn, then, right? I fucking love this match. Yeah, this is a great one. You know everything that we just said about Sting. Flip the roles and turn it to Flair, who really turns his inner crazy up. Flair came came out play and, and Flair plays crazy great, and uh, you know yes he plays the, uh... crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Ask how many yeah. of his ex wives is how crazy he is. One of those rare times where uh, in WCW where Flair was the was the baby face and mm-hmm. coming out against uh, you know the NWO's Kurt Henning, and you know he he was playing this role that he hated Kurt Henning. And if I'm, you know, I always think fondly going, you know, thinking back to the retirement match they had in uh, 1992 or three, three, 93, 93, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this match is a, a part of that. Like, like it's, it's so different and that's what makes it great. Um, they, they fought everywhere. They beat the crap out of each other. It was just a lot of fun. And, and Flair put handing over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what? I know, like you want to see the babyface get his revenge, but I think that's kind of the right call. Well, also, Flair didn't need that U.S. title. Let's be honest. No, he did not. No. I right, well, I think I know what your number one is going to be, and I, I'm just kind of looking through some of these other match cards, and I, I'm seeing some other matches on here that mm-hmm. that I think could give it a you know that I, I thought I would see on your list, and and I, I haven't it's seen. Hard, man. I've got uh, let me see here. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five decent honorable mentions. All right, all right. Well, don't keep me waiting, man. Let me hear the number one. My number one, 1995, total package. Lex Luger versus the Macho Man. Come on. That's your number one? It's my number one. All right. And I can't believe you're surprised because I've been talking about this match for weeks to you. Well, I understand that, but they fought for five minutes. I'm a story man, man. I'm okay, story so storyline going in this match is Savage is pissed at Luger for... Uh, is this, and, and you know what I do remember about this match? Because uh, um, Savage, sorry, Luger and Sting did the same thing to each other here. After the Savage was in the torture rack for a long time and Luger wouldn't break it, right? 
Yeah. And Sting came out and whispered something in his ear. He put him down. Yeah. And then it was Sting who got Flair to break the uh, the death lock on, or sorry, Luger to get Sting to break the death lock on Flair. Exactly. It was this intermingled story. There was a lot going for it. And the match, yes, the match was short, but the match was great. Um, maybe maybe I'm hyping you up too much because I am not used to enjoying Lex Luger matches. Yeah, I like I Lex Luger. I am not a Lex Luger fan. So for me to enjoy a Lex Luger match that much, maybe I'm just like, ah! <laughs> you know? You, you know that I'm a fan of Lex Luger. I like Lex Luger. Like, you asked me again in a couple of weeks when I look at this list, maybe maybe I, I could change a couple things around. But for now, I'm sticking with it. I like this match a lot. So what exactly is it about this match that you like? The, the just just the story like, like he's beating the crap of that arm. Luger's mean, man. That arm that's not injured, by the way. Yeah, right. Luger is fucking mean. Yeah, he's freshly turned heel. I guess he has to be. And I like that side of Luger. That's a Luger we never saw in WWF. No. You know what I mean? No, oh, they tried to make him the white meat baby face. But even as a heel, the narcissist was garbage. And he wasn't mean, you know? This Luger was a son of a bitch, and mm-hmm. I loved him for it. And uh and you know, this was um I hate to say I hate to say to speak out of school, I hate to say bad things. And I'm gonna take some heat for this. That's fine. This was one of the last great matches that Randy Savage had. Oh no! One of the because he I would go. I was a big fan of his NWO career, man. Yeah, but his stuff with DDP is some his of the best of his career. career. That's why I said one of the. All right, fair. I mean, yeah, yeah I guess, I guess so, because that I mean, was what ninety-seven years left. Yeah, no, I guess you're not wrong there. You mean you didn't enjoy his run in TNA? Oh no, Mike just drinks his beer. Um, for me, I, I, I gotta say, I was really expecting to see World War 396 on your list. I think I would have had that at over 97. It's my honorable mention, and again, this is storyline based. Well, let's talk storyline. The finish of World War 396 was one of the best finishes to any type of battle royal. It was Lex Luger against six NWO guys, the crowd was losing their fucking minds. To me, it's the best moment in the history of all the World War III matches when Luger almost, almost defies the odds and just gets pushed over at the very end. Like I said, this was a hard list for me. It really was. And 96 played around on my list for quite a bit. All right. The other match that I think I would have snuck on my list, and fuck, I'm going to try my best here. It's from 1995. You know where I'm going with this already. I'm going with Bull Nakato and Akira Hakuto uh, against Mayumi Ozaki and Kyuji Suzaki, who is Kento Suzaki's wife. I have two things to say about this match. Yeah. Number one, I also liked it, but I couldn't put it on my honorable mansions because I didn't want to pronounce those names. How did I do? I think I did pretty good that time. I think I did pretty good that time. Great. I wasn't even going to try. All right. Well, let me hear some of your honorable mentions. It it deserves to be an honorable mention. Because I've got a couple more that I I remember a little bit, but I want to hear some of yours here. All right. Well, you already mentioned 96. 98 is is also on my my list. Was Kevin Nash winning? Yeah. I liked all four. 
I really did. Um, 1998, a fun little sleeper match. Chris Jericho versus Bobby Duncan Jr. Yeah, that match was really good. That was it Jericho's really last was. pay-per-view match, too. Pardon me? That was Jericho's last WCW pay-per-view match. Um, the, ones that, the one thing... No, it wasn't. Sorry, was. I lied. He, he fought Conan at Starcade. The one thing that made me giggle, I uh, just kind of shook my head, though. If you watch it on the w, WWE Network, they put in his Walls of Jericho music. Yeah, I hate that. What the fuck is that? Yeah, I don't like that at all. I don't remember what music he was using then. Uh, he had that Pearl Jam ripoff of Evenflow. Oh. It was very good music. Shall I do what he did a couple weeks ago and play it for you right now? Because it's fantastic. No. I guess you don't remember why, it? I guess that's why they changed DDP's music, too. Hmm. Yeah, I um, guess it would have to be. Do you, do you remember the theme at all, though? Uh, Jericho's? Yeah. No, don't stop my head, no. But I know even flow, so I have an idea. I, I really liked it a lot. So another one um, um, was, speaking of DDP, it was DDP versus Johnny B. Bad at 95. Yeah, yeah good match. We've discussed this before. Was it during my Spring Stampede run? Mm-hmm. Um, I like this feud. I like these guys together. By the way, Mike, just, just to cut you off, this is his music. I'm playing it. You hear that? Okay. Remember those? Yeah. yeah. Very WCW. Very WCW. I, I love that theme. I had to pull it up. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we talked about uh, Johnny B. Bad and, and DDP on uh, a couple of our prior lists as well. Yeah, because it's just such a good, uh, good feud. Those guys work so well together. And Mark Merrill does not get the credit he deserves for being as good as he was in WCW. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Um, my last one will mention, uh, it's a surprise to even me. Because it's a match I was this close to skipping thinking I wouldn't like it. But I liked it a lot more than I should have. That's from 1998. The main event of the 1998 uh, pay-per-view. For the U.S. title, Bret Hart versus Diamond Dollar Trade. Now, you and I talked about this match. I can't believe you were going to skip it after I told you to watch it just for how bad of a sharpshooter DDP does in it. <laughs> yes! It is the worst sharpshooter I have ever You're seen in my entire life. And I laughed at it, too, I, completely I, forgetting that we talked about it. Uh, I I remember this match. I, I only remember being a, a young lad in... in uh, going into the year of my first year of high school. I, I think I had just started high school when this match happened and I was just losing my mind at that sharpshooter. I'm a Bret Hart mark. What do you want from me, right? Uh, I I don't like WCW Bret Hart at all. No, no, it's not good. Um, other than other than his, uh, his match with uh, Benoit, he had no great matches. Yeah. None. But this match was fucking decent. I like enough to get an honorable mention. How about uh, from the same card here? And uh, I, I just got a couple honorable mentions. I kind of remember uh, Billy Kidman and Juventud Guerrero had a real good match on this card in '98. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I didn't think it was anything special, but yeah, right. uh, I, I thought it was just good. Uh, the other one I had, and I just lost it here, but uh, it was Dean Malenko from and Psychosis from '96. I thought it was a good one. Fuck. 
Okay, that was supposed to be in my honorable mention. I guess I just forgot to write it down. Yeah. And the last the last one I have, and it's a match that I really enjoy from the first one, ninety five, is uh, Chris Benoit against Kensuke Sasaki. Fuck, where was I during that? I don't know. You probably were so excited because know. Luger and Savage was next. Uh, <laughs> just a good hard hitting match. Uh, that was uh, those are my little honorable mentions that I remember off the top of my head from World War Three. So just looking back, you can admit like they were decent pay-per-views. Listen, I'm not saying that the the in-ring stuff was was bad at all. I'm just saying that I wasn't a fan of the of the gimmick match. Now you and I have talked about this, and this is something that I would not be opposed to. Um, if uh, NXT, if, yeah, if NXT or AEW, I don't care which one. Nope. No, but hear me out, and and this is why, because. And I think, and honestly, I do think this would be a better fit for AEW because I think that they would bring in more people that aren't just bums off the street. No way, they would be bring bums off the street. But they would bring in, they would bring in like they would bring in bums off the street that have a following, though. I think you'd see a lot of GCW guys if the AEW did it, whereas NXT would just have uh, a lot of people that I don't think you would know. Evolve, ICW. WXW, they bring all those dudes. Maybe. All right. Maybe I stand corrected. I don't know. But I, I would not be opposed if AEW or NXT for a one off to a catch up to and, and, you know, just to catch a rating. Yeah. Put it on TV. I don't want to pay for it. No, put it on TV. I yeah. think that I would be okay with that. Yeah. I would put it on TV the week before the Royal Rumble. What? No. Oh, to cock block them? <laughs> if you're AEW? If you're AEW. Yeah, there's no way NXT is putting a World War Three on the cock block. WWE's flagship pay-per-view next to WrestleMania. Because <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious if they did, though. I mean, Vince is starting to lose it, so who knows? Uh, you never he know. did say WWF on TV. What a markup moment that was. Oh, fucking hell. I, I lost my shit. And that wasn't an accident. No, he said it on purpose. He said it on purpose for the first time. I, I believe that's the first time in 18 years. I've, I've not heard him say the letters WWF. There's WWF on yeah. television. He doesn't even say World Wrestling Entertainment. Nope. He doesn't say World Wrestling Federation. He says WWE and nothing else. Yeah. So the fact that he, that he doesn't even say the word wrestling. So the fact that he came out and called it the WWF. That was a huge that probably the second biggest markout for me other than the Paul Bear hologram. Yeah, the hologram was still the best part for me. That was my favorite part of the whole pay-per-view. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I don't I don't hate your list. I oh. might have tweaked it a little bit here and there. Yeah, yeah. You don't hate it. <laughs> call that a call that a win, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about uh Let's talk about what we got planned for next week. And you will be hearing a very special interview from somebody who he's not just the coolest. He's not just the best. He's fucking Justin Credible, baby. Man. I just said our biggest guest guest yet. I cannot wait to talk to this man. Yeah, absolutely. Whether, I'm very... you, know, whether you know him from his ECW days whether you've seen him on the indie circuit, whether you know him from his early WWF days as Aldo Montoya, it doesn't matter. No matter how you know him, you know him. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, if you know him as X, from X Factor, if you know him from uh, the the Impact Impact players, players. Uh, you know, even if you've never seen real ECW before, but you saw One Night Stand, you saw him there. You know, he's he's just incredible. He is uh, one of the unsung heroes of professional wrestling. In, Absolutely. In He's one Absolutely. of the most underrated superstars ever. Very knowledgeable man, and I cannot wait to at least, you know sit in the tr- shit sit in the shade of his learning tree. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this one. Mike and I have been working really hard putting together a, a great list of questions to ask him. We're going to take a deep dive into his career. We want to talk about the current stuff with them. Uh, you know. I'm just excited for me personally, from a, from a wrestling fan standpoint, I was such a huge mark for just incredible back in the day. Um, I, I can't wait to talk to him. I, I... And then after that, uh, we'll be into December. Um, lots of, lots of things that we're working on in December, lots of shows to, to work up to. Uh, we're quickly <laughs> uh, working up to our big end of the year special. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think maybe we'll, we'll drop that one. Maybe yeah. we'll drop a little bit on that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that more later. Uh, then, uh, then we're we're on the road to, to to Royal Rumble after that. So yeah, man, there's a lot coming up. Uh, it's a little added bonus for you guys this week. Head over to our Counted Out YouTube page, Counted Out Seven. Uh, by the time the the day that this episode drops, uh, you guys can go over there and check out a very special watch along that I got to do. Uh, with one Jason sensation where him and I sit down and watch Owen Hart versus Jushin Thunder Liger. And we just get Jason to talk about Owen Hart, a very cool connection between those guys. So definitely something to check out on the YouTube page. Yeah. And hopefully you like that because uh, if everything works out, hopefully we'll get uh, Jason on, on this show. Yeah. That's another one we got in the works. Uh, Myself, Mike and Jason are going to sit down and we're going to do a top seven Owen Hart list in the near future. Yeah. Perfect, man. uh, I think that's it. For the housekeeping, don't you think? Look at that's cool, man. We kept it right at an hour this week. Yeah, we did. Wow. Holy we, shit. We're, we're almost professional this week. Don't get used to it, guys. I guess I had to make up for my fucking bullshit on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> one job, man. I give you one job. Just click a button. That's it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nope. All right, man. We'll take us home, buddy. All right. On behalf of everybody who helped us out on Sunday. Thank you very much. Um, from World War Three, this is Mike and Tyler saying we've been counted out. Cheers.